right. Welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny and I'm joined this week as always by my co-host Brian Wells. In this week's episode, we'll be reacting to the NFL Divisional Round. Four games took place this past weekend. We now have our conference championship game finalists. We'll talk about all four of them, give our in-depth thoughts on each. Chiefs beat the Jaguars despite losing Patrick Mahomes to an injury. The Eagles blow out their NFC East rival Giants. Bengals go into Buffalo in the snow and take down the Bills in a big way. And the 49ers handed the Cowboys yet another brutal playoff loss. So give our thoughts on all four of those games and look ahead to conference championship games next weekend. So with that, let's get started. Not sure if you got the uh, breaking news update, but the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame voting results are in. Scott Rowland is the newest. I, I member. did. I did see. I did see that breaking news on my phone as well. I do have the ESPN uh, app on my phone, and get, it gave me that breaking news, and I'm very disappointed in that result. Would you rather nobody gotten in? I mean, I would rather see the guys that. The baseball writers refuse to vote in, like, so like all the Bonds, Clemens. So if I were to make a ballot, well, they they've fallen off. I at would this pick, point. I know, like so. they're not even on the ballot now. <laughs> yeah. So my ballot would be if those two were on it, I would pick them, and then A Rod and Manny. That's it. Those are the only ones I would vote in that are not in right now. Everyone else would not even cross my mind i i think that's kind of like what a lot of the voters are weighing at this point is are they overvaluing the clean guys who don't have the stats that the storage guys had because obviously stats alone bonds and clemens get in and i a rod and manny would be hard to keep out as well but i think those two when they actually have like you know the positive tests like confession like all that kind of stuff it just like they they're not even close to bonds and clemens who maybe like they can say like oh you know these two there's not a full proof which i think is a stupid argument but i um i feel like those are the two that need to get into the hall of fame before you start letting in some of the other guys but there's also others who have like you know potential checkered pass with steroids including david ortiz who just got in last year so yeah you know what the difference is between ortiz and those other four guys that i mentioned that aren't in uh, david like ortiz them. is likable <laughs> and the other four are not likable players yeah <laughs> so. I, well i know that's always an argument that's been used against bonds but i've also heard a lot of people who voted against him who are like no i really didn't have an issue with him as a, a person i just don't want to vote in someone who used just don't want to vote in one of the greatest hitters of our of our time or just any lifetime in, in the history of baseball. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's so hard when you want to like talk about these guys. So like my, I agree. I think Barry Bonds is a phenomenal baseball player without the steroids. I think it's also like, why did he do it? But at the same time, when everyone else is doing it, I kind of understand, you know, wanting to continue to be 
a dominant player, but I think those guys eventually will find their way in. But the fact that they had like a committee of like modern era players and general managers and executives and stuff, and they didn't even come close to getting in. It was the same people who got Fred McGriffin. I think he got unanimous votes out of 16 and Bonds and Clemens were like four and five each. So I think it's gonna be a while if ever they're they're voting. It's gone to a point now where they've voted in so many guys that don't even deserve to make it now. So, I think Scott Rowland is very much a fringe case. I mean, the fact that you got 76% of the vote when you need 75 to get in tells you that it was uh, very close whether or not he deserved it. It was also, I think, his sixth time on the ballot. I personally was a big fan of Scott Rowland, so I'm kind of happy for the guy. Like He's a great defensive third baseman. He was a really good hitter. He was someone who was never like the best player on those Cardinals teams or like the Phillies never, and the, the Reds, but... He, yeah, not only was he not one of the best players in the league, he was not even the best player on his own team. He played with <laughs> like it was always Pujols. Like, yeah, but I um I liked Scott Rowland, and like part of it is also a personal thing. So Cal Ripken baseball. When I was younger, I played for the Cardinals, and there was a game where I played third base, and I made I think six outs in the game, and. I felt I was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, this is my new position. And then when I found out who the real life Cardinals third baseman was, Scott Rowland, I naturally became a fan of him. Even though, like, you know, like when they, the Red Sox played the Cardinals in the World Series, obviously I was rooting for the Red Sox, but like Scott Rowland is a guy I knew and liked on that other team. And I'm personally happy for him getting in for that reason. But I also understand the idea that he doesn't compare it someone to the other guys in his era. You know, some of these guys that have not gotten in on the ballot for various reasons. I don't want to make it sound like he's a bad player. He was a great player. He's a very good player. I just say that's now the Hall of Very Good and not the Hall of Fame. So the, the yeah, best, I actually checked. The best should be in. Baseball Reference has like a Hall of Fame monitor. And I don't know what they do to determine it, but his batting score is 99 and a likely Hall of Famer is 100. So he's like just below the criteria, but I guess it's This is what's come to over. now, too, that. He got in probably because he was very great defensively, but also he was like tenth in OPS, thirteenth in WAR of, of like all third basemen. Like, I, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, he finished um, fourth in MVP voting one year in two thousand four when the Cardinals went to the World Series. He won seven Gold Gloves, seven time All Star in seventeen seasons. So yeah, I mean, he was he was a very good player, but Hall of Fame fringe, no, no, not a Hall of Fame player. <laughs> I think I, I, I'm I at the rather... point now where I'm at the point now where I would start voting guys out. <laughs> I would rather him get in and be I'm semi joking, but get in. no, I, I understand. I, I get it. Like the hall of fame should be like this big spectacle. Like you really have to earn it to get in. And some of these guys, maybe not as much Bagwell, Musina, BGO, uh, Fred McGriff, Harold Baines, the list goes on on guys that I just are very fringe at best. Yeah, uh, to well, Todd it. Walker was one who I think it took him his last ballot to get in a couple years ago. Todd Walker? Yeah. The, the, am I getting my wrong? The, the Rockies and Expos player? Todd Helton? No, Todd Helton just barely missed. Todd, do I have the wrong name? It, it, Walker, right? Todd Walker was a second baseman on the Red Sox for a year. Who am I thinking of? There's got to be someone. There's a. Who was the Walker who just got in? Like the Rockies player that was like kind of like, oh, he got Larry Walker. 
That's Larry Walker. Larry <laughs> that Walker. was it. Yeah, Larry Walker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he was someone who was like kind of controversial because like, oh, his his numbers are inflated by Coors Field. I don't know if that was used against Todd Helton. He got seventy. He's another guy so. that very good player. He was also on that Cardinals team that that uh, on that 04 team that was really good. But Pujols is the only one on that team. Actually, no, I take it back. Uh, Yadier. Uh, was no, he on the 014? He wasn't on them yet. He was 06. They had, okay, uh, Mike Matheny was their catcher. I I like I love Yadier Molina. I I think he deserves consideration. I'm not a I would, big Yadier would... fan, but you're that's, not. That's okay, a well. personal vendetta as a Pirates fan. So <laughs> I get a lot of people love him. <laughs> I think that most NL Central fans aren't a big fan of him, though. <laughs> so. so I mean, he's I get if 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 they put in guys like Larry Walker and Scott Rowland, then put in Yadier too. I think he'll eventually get in. Yeah, but you know, he's someone who I think I think he's going to be viewed in a lot of senses of like Derek Jeter being a unanimous Hall of Famer. Like he didn't end up getting in, but I think that Yadier is going to be one of those where like people are going to be like, oh, he's a no doubt Hall of Famer. It's like, is he though? Like how Jeter is like, oh, he's a no doubt unanimous. No, he's. I'm not. glad one whoever that one I guy love is. That. I love that. Uh, whoever it was. He's a hero, even though I would have, I'm not saying Derek Jeter's not a Hall of Famer, he is, but to be unanimous when no one at the time. Yeah, Mariano Rivera is the only one. Which is is pretty, I mean, I love Mariano too, but for for a closer to be the the one guy, that's that's pretty bad. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Well, there's just so many issues with Hall of Fame voting over the years that it's just, I don't know. I, I, I wish that more guys were unanimous so that wasn't a thing where you like almost have to vote no on guys just to not give them that honor because there have been so many great players over the years who deserved it. Well, the problem the problem now is that a lot of these fringe guys are getting it and a lot of these voters, you know, they think to themselves like, oh, well, if this guy gets in, then this guy should be in too. And, and because of that, it just creates a whole storm of just all these fringe players that really don't really don't deserve to be in the hall of fame just make it now and and part of it's also just because like oh well we can't vote these guys in because they did this so we gotta we gotta vote somebody in like mm-hmm. no like you could have no one make, make it if, if you really it did happen if you're not gonna vote ago. the if you're not gonna vote for the the players that actually should be in then i don't know just i'd rather just see no one make it i'm not joking either if, if you're not gonna put in those other those four names i mentioned already the bonds clemens manny and A-Rod group. If you're not going to vote in any of those guys, then I, I don't really want to see anyone else make it. Yeah, I guess that's a fair way to put it. I'd rather have them have the ceremony because Cooperstown is a really cool place and, you know, it, it's a reason for people to go to the Hall of Fame. But I also understand, you know, very much, like, I am not going to disagree on the idea that Scott Rowland is less deserving of the Hall of Fame than some of those other guys you mentioned. So, Yeah, I just think most of the... Majority of baseball writers are just a bunch of babies. <laughs> That's probably you know too me. harsh, but I I I'm coming to that conclusion now. There there's some interesting ones out there who have a ballot. That's for sure. So yeah. Anyway, let's talk about football, and we are in the midst of the NFL playoffs. And divisional round was this weekend. So last year, wild card weekend was more or less terrible, a lot of blowouts, not really many interesting games. But then divisional round weekend was legitimately one of the greatest football weekends of all time. Four games that came down <laughs> literally to the final play. Like, it, it was awesome. And this year is almost the exact opposite, where wildcard weekend was great. It was unexpectedly good. And I think everyone was, like, really excited about these divisional round matchups. And 
they weren't the greatest. You know, we had a couple no, close ones, not. and even the close ones like weren't the, the best games. So the the it was going to be pretty much impossible to live up to last year's division round because all four games were awesome in their own way. Even mm-hmm. if some were more high scoring than others, it was it was wildly literally they, three ended on a game winning field goal and one ended on a touchdown in overtime. So right. <laughs> really tough to top that for sure. Yeah, so it was pretty much impossible to top it, but at the same time, yeah, we we had a the wild card weekend this year was more entertaining than I expected, but then like you said, this the divisional round was not as great as expected. Yeah, and we'll we'll go game by game. We'll start with the first one, Chiefs Jaguars. Now this game was 27-20, one possession game in the end, which is kind of inflated by a late field goal there, but I think the biggest takeaway from this game regardless of what happened on the field in here, is the fact that Patrick Mahomes suffered a high ankle sprain. He ended up playing the whole second half after coming out and missing most of the second quarter. But that's going to be a lingering question for the Chiefs moving forward. And I feel like it's, you know, we can look back and talk about this game and how it played out, but the Mahomes injury is the biggest storyline. Oh, for sure. Because when he got hurt, he wasn't able to come back in the game for a certain point, for a certain time. And... It look the Jags made it a game, uh, even yeah. though we didn't really expect them to win. The the once that injury happened, it made it interesting because then it opened the door for Jacksonville to actually maybe pull off an upset. Uh, and but but then once Chad Henney came in, he he led them onto a I don't know if it was his first drive or second drive, but he led them to a ninety eight yard drive for a touchdown to Kelsey, and that kind of that kind of hurt the Jags' chances because one. Because Mahomes came back in the into the second half, and it was very impressive just to for him to play on a high ankle sprain. Because I'd imagine if it was a just a normal regular season game, uh, he, he probably have wouldn't have come back, back in that game. Yeah, no. I agree with that. And I I don't know what they did to him at halftime to to get him to gut that out, but a lot of tape and probably a lot of <laughs> a lot of uh, medicine. Yeah, no, uh, is is definitely shooting him, shooting him up. Yeah, definitely um, impressive by Chad Henney though on that big drive. And it, it, there were some reminders of the game two years ago. Same situation, divisional round against the Cleveland Browns when Mahomes got hurt and Chad Henney came in and he won the Chiefs that game. Just right, late in the plays. game. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was in the second quarter, not the same situation. Mahomes did come back in, but that was a big-time drive, 98 yards down the field. And that was really the the point where it's like, okay, the Chiefs are going to be fine in this one. And It was still it was impressive because it's not like Chad Henney was just handing the ball off every play. No, no he was he making some, some big legitimate throws. throws. And it was a legitimate drive to get him a touchdown. And so that shows you that the Chiefs are – they're still really good, even though they don't have – like they don't have Tyreek Hill anymore, uh, and it's really kind of just Kelsey, and it's kind of a drop off after him. They're still a really good football team. Yeah, I mean it's also a big credit to Henny. It's not like he gets a ton of playing time throughout the regular season, and you know he's able to come off the bench in this one and uh, deliver in a big time spot. Second time we've seen him do it in the playoffs. Like he's someone who, I mean, this is a, a revenge game for him going against the Jaguars, who you know he's just their backup for many years. But I think that he's someone who's very much established himself in Chiefs lore, just given his efforts in the playoffs. And it also helps when you're facing literally the worst team in the league at defending the tight end, and you have literally the best tight end in the league. <laughs> it's, uh, well, the no Cardinals are the worst team at defending the QBR, tight end. QBR-wise, the Jaguars are the worst. I guess okay. I don't know. I was like, going to say, because yeah. the, the highest scoring tight end this year 
was Travis Kelsey. The second highest was just anyone that played Arizona. Just based on fantasy <laughs> points? Yeah, just based okay. on fantasy. Yeah, so yeah. based on but, QBR. But QBR rating, so, yeah. Uh-huh. It was Jacksonville. It was Jacksonville. And I, now that you mention it, I got to say, I look, Jacksonville, they're definitely a team that's on the rise. And I think, so they're, they're obviously not in that top three of Buffalo, Kansas City, Cincinnati. They're th- like those three aren't here on their own. Uh, but Jacksonville is definitely climbing up the ranks and they look like they're going to be a really good team. And then they also added Calvin Ridley at the trade deadline. True. Past, I know. I, I like forgot about deadline. that for a while. So, so it looks like they're going to be a problem, especially in that division, just given how bad that division is. Yeah. But uh. I got to say, though, Look, they again, they're on the rise, but I hate I hated how they played de- defensively, like just letting Travis Kelsey like get all those catches and, yeah, and 14, 14 catches, 98 90 yards, yards and two touchdowns. Yep. And look, I'm 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 not a defensive coordinator whatsoever, but I I think to myself watching that game, like why don't they just do whatever they can to shut down Kelsey, whether if that's double covering him, putting your best player on him, whatever that is. Find a way to take out him and then force Mahomes to beat you with the other <laughs> scrub receivers. I mean, scrub's too too harsh, but it's such a drop-off after Kelsey that why don't they just take him out? I just feel like that's such... I feel like that's just so obvious. I don't know, like, when you when he's getting targeted as many times... He almost broke a record. <laughs> playoff record. Uh, James White and Darren Sproles, they have the record for most catches in a playoff game. Just I'm thinking to myself as the defensive coordinator, like, why don't you do something to stop that guy. you you would know. think that yeah there would be a way to do that kelsey is also just like a freak athlete who especially in the play i know that's like, easier said but, than done but uh, it's one guy <laughs> you're right no it would make sense and if you look at the box score Kadarius sony had seven targets no other chief receiver had more than two so it was very much just like feed the ball to travis kelsey and like that was a game plan and it worked it you know, the 14 catches on 17 targets. Like, uh, Jacksonville didn't really have an answer. And I, I agree, Jaguars are on the rise. They were awesome this offseason in terms of, like, f- using free agency to build up an offense. And of course, Doug Peterson, massive upgrade over Urban Meyer, helped Trevor Lawrence take a big step in year two. This offseason, the focus probably should be on the defense for the Jaguars. I think they have the weapons. They have the offense to compete to an extent in the AFC, assuming they their, take a yeah, leap forward. Yeah, their offense is... It's not. Is it the best one league? No, of course not. But it's it's definitely good enough to compete with with the with the better teams in the league. But yeah, defensively is that's that's another team that needs to yeah. upgrade. Def- I mean, they got number one pick Trayvon Walker, and they have the other Josh Allen on their team. But it's it's not it's not like the defense that almost made it to the Super Bowl. Oh no! Five no, five not at all. Five years ago. So, so one thing I'll say is, I guess early in the game when Mahomes was out there and still healthy, it felt like the Jaguars were getting pressure on him every single play, forcing him to leave the pocket, but they could never get him down. And the one time that they came close to it was when he got hurt. But right. they ended the game with zero sacks. So they, they couldn't they got, get They home. got pressure on him. They got pressure, but they couldn't get home. And it, he was able to you know find Kelsey, find Tony, whoever it was, and like be able to, to keep you know those drives alive and i think that it's a little surprising just given that he played an entire half on a bum ankle yeah i know i i didn't i didn't see that until like just looking at the box score right now because i actually wanted to to see what those numbers were because it felt like jacksonville came closer and i don't know maybe this need one one more pass rushing weapon just need some of those younger guys to grow a little more but 
Uh, future is definitely bright in Jacksonville. That's for sure. One other comment I'll make about the Jaguars. I know Jamal Agnew had a big time fumble in the red zone when you know Jacksonville still had a chance. I don't think people talk enough about how explosive of a kickoff returner he is. Oh, I, th- oh, I, 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 re- I realize it anytime. Like the last few games I've watched at the Jags, he doesn't score, but he he has, he's a great but return he, man. He flips the field real I, fast. I have noticed that. It's I mean it's not talked about enough because it's special teams and he doesn't score, but yeah, he gets plenty of yardage on on his returns and yeah, I, yeah it's a shame that he got the he had the fumble in the at the goal line, but uh-huh. no, he's a good return man. He had a hundred nine yard kick. I don't remember if it was a kickoff return. I think it was actually a, a missed field goal return last year for the Jaguars. I, I do remember that. Someone yeah. someone tried like a 66-yard field goal or something stupid, left it short, and Agnew took it back as far as you could, 109 yards. So that was um, like the first time I really like learned about Agnew and like how explosive he was. And it feels like every game he has some kind of big kick return to give Jacksonville a really good field position. He had two in this one that set him up on, you know, in Chiefs territory. So... But yeah, yeah, so this I mean, was the, a game that, a big thing, so. right. So this was a game that everyone expected Kansas City to win, but I mean, but Jags to make it at least interesting, and they did. Mm-hmm. And I think that the future, like you said, is it's bright in Jacksonville. Yeah, it was Trevor Lawrence's first ever loss on a Saturday. He's thirty six and zero in his high school, college, and NFL career. So that's a pretty incredible stat. I, I don't care yeah. how far it goes back. That's that's uh, <laughs> that's uh-huh. crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, in terms of Kansas City moving forward, we'll see about the health of Patrick Mahomes. You know, we'll we'll talk about them a little bit more later. But for now, let's move on to the other Saturday game, Eagles Giants, and this is another one that I think that most people expected the home team to win. Some people thought the away team coming off a big win in the wild card round uh, could maybe make it closer than when these two teams met earlier in the season in week 14 48 to 22 and it did not happen at all (laughs) the eagles 38 giants 7 like this is very much like a comeback down to earth for the giants and also a reminder that hey before jalen hurts got injured in december the eagles are were the best team in football and they looked like it on saturday night yeah this was over pretty much before it even started (laughs) and the giants they hit their absolute ceiling they have nothing to be ashamed of they I mean, they don't really even have a playoff roster, and uh, so for them to make it as far as they did this year, that's that's a credit to them because they they definitely hit their absolute ceiling. That's as far as that they could go, and yeah, it, again, it was over before it started. But at the same time, I wish I, I hated that fourth and eight call in the beginning of the game. Oh yeah, I don't know if you remember that uh, when they, Brian yep. Dayball going for it and forth. Yep. I don't know. I wanted well, <laughs> at least at least keep yourself in the game. Like don't he, shoot yourself yeah, in so the he foot went immediately. For it, yeah, he went for it super early on fourth and eight like that. But then he punted later in the game in a similar know, situation. It, just, it, it just didn't make any sense. There are, so there are questionable decisions, but at the same time, maybe you need to get goofy when you know you're a, a big underdog. And Yeah, I, I don't know if it really would have changed significantly. I, I think no. that the Eagles were just, I mean, they came out on fire, literally opening possession of the game, drove down the field, scored almost at will, and it just, it felt like they kept doing that. Like their rushing attack was dominant this one, didn't matter who was getting the ball. Jalen Hurts didn't really do a ton as a running back. I think the Giants or the Eagles were playing it safe, but he didn't have to. And Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders both were able to, you know, 
rip off some big runs and then and Boston don't forget Scott Boston Scott the the giant killer continues <laughs> to do so I know like I, I I knew that he was a Giants killer I don't know if it occurred I, to me that he was five foot six Joe Davis made that comment of like how ironic it was that the guy who's five foot six is the, the giant slayer who scores every time he plays them I saw a Giants Twitter account that said what are our free agent priorities this year? First, Boston Scott, I can't take you anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I've, I I felt like when he came in the game and scored that touchdown, it was kind of just to rub it in. Like, hey, oh, every, yeah. like, everyone knows now Like he he does all of his damage versus, versus the Giants. Uh-huh. He has and 18 so, career touchdowns, 11 against the Giants in eight games. Right, and then he has like way more games uh, played in his career with way with less touchdowns <laughs> uh, yeah. against the rest of the league. But yeah, so from a Giants standpoint, again, they hit their ceiling and, you know, you'd like to see them make some additions, maybe at, at wide receiver. Cause, again, yeah, wide receiver wide has receivers, to be a priority for them. Because Kenny Galladay has been a disaster. And then their best receivers are Hodgins, James, and Slayton. All three of those guys are solid, but they're not like, they're not like, true game changer. And I so, think they're all free agents too. That too. So so they, they definitely have to look at the wide receiver position and then uh and then yeah, maybe some additions uh, defensively as well. And then yeah, the thing I, is Daniel well, Jones yeah, wanting to mention about Daniel Jones, he was awesome in that Minnesota game, but Minnesota's secondary is so so bad that just made him look that good and it was certainly a comeback down to earth moment in that Eagles game where yeah, 135 right. like, he's good but he's pick. he's bought himself another year but we can't say like oh he's he's the real deal deal now like no I think it was a combination of both uh like he was he's pretty good but at the same time Minnesota's defense is just so so bad that it made him look like lethal out there and I I think that's fair I think I tried to overlook that and just kind of give Daniel Jones his credit but this is definitely right. a comeback down to earth in a way I think I don't want to say like this is his normal self I do think that Daniel Jones was much improved this year compared to last season early oh, he turned the ball over so much less this year than yeah. he did in previous years yeah so. and I mean that's such a huge difference maker when it comes to quarterbacks just being able to protect the ball in a lot of ways is good enough to give your team a chance to win football games and I think that Daniel Jones deserves some kind of a contract from the Giants I'm curious what the final numbers end up being uh, but they also have to figure out whether you do a Saquon Barkley and uh, apparently they tried to give him like a 12 million dollar a year extension at the bye week he turned it down he said he doesn't want to reset the market but he wants to come close to Christian McCaffrey's 16 million a year so that's crazy I I, well maybe not that crazy because he had he had a really good season but I I think He's just as injury prone as McCaffrey. Yeah, I mean the injuries. He's had, he's had, he's had two. There. He's had multiple seasons where he's really missed time, and I just think at, the, at that position, I want to. I'd rather just cash in, even if it's even if it's not what you want. Like that's that that kind of money. I I, I feel like he should have taken. I um, well, because they can give him the franchise tag for ten million this year. Mm-hmm. And I, I think they would do that. <laughs> like, I, I understand him wanting to, to make it, yeah, as much money as possible. But like you said, with his injury history, I don't think he wants to play on the franchise tag this year. I think he should secure himself a deal. But I think the Giants also need to be smart about it. So, uh, it, it's such an interesting 
predicament they're in because not only are you talking about a guy who like this year was phenomenal and was a huge difference maker in terms of them being this team that was able to get to the playoffs. Uh, he's someone who has the injury history. He's someone who you should be nervous about paying just based on his position alone. But you also use the number two overall pick on him. <laughs> and like you don't want to use the number two overall pick on a guy just to have him for five years and like let him walk. It's not a case where he was a bus. It's just that you're not getting the value that you're supposed you, you, to from that pick. And it just goes back to that decision five years ago. Just when it comes to that position, they really fall off a cliff and there are several examples of of guys who who get that deal and then don't live up to it like uh, Levion was a guy that that really fell off a cliff and he yeah, should have taken that's another example of yeah. he should have taken the money I yeah uh, I have no idea what offered. what the Steelers would be like right now if he actually took that contract but that that would have been right. it would have been tough because even with the year off like I don't think that he was going to be the same player he was for much no. longer so that's a case where the team was lucky that he didn't take this and that could be the same thing for the Giants that Maybe they'll end up being lucky that that he turned down that kind of money, which I think is kind of crazy. Yeah, well, and there are other running backs who have gotten paid in recent years that you're like, all right, when is this going to backfire? And it hasn't necessarily yet, but it is. Yeah, so for it's such a tough position. So yeah, so that's enough on the Giants. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, when it comes to the Eagles, though, the look, the Eagles, they're obviously the superior team, but at the same time, I I do think that they should have. They needed to come out hot like they did in this game because the last month of the season, when you factor in Jalen Hurts' injury, he it they they needed to show that they're still you know a really good football team and or one of the best if not the best in the league. And Jalen Hurts he came back in Week 18 versus the same exact team, but looked really rusty in the game he played. But in this game he looked even though he wasn't running much, but he didn't need to because because that offense, like you said, the the running backs, they did a great job. And and then Devontae, he had a pretty good game, and Goddard as well. And then I think A.J. Brown, he he wasn't he, – he didn't do, get to do much in this game, but I like to think that, you know, they'll, they'll go to him in the next round. Yeah, I think I think that he'll be uh, much more needed next week's game. But, I mean, just Jalen Hurts playing in Week 18. There, I think there are a lot of questions about whether or not the Eagles should throw him out there. They did, you know, they needed to win that game, so it made sense. And I think it was a good opportunity for him to kind of shake off some of that rust, especially with the bye week looming. And I think, yeah, he he's still not a hundred percent, but he's he's much closer than he should have been. And he was no, passing so, effectively. He didn't need to run the ball because he was able to throw the ball downfield in addition to his running backs playing well. So yeah, I'd imagine he's not a hundred percent, but he looked much, much better in this game than he did in his first game back. So, which is, which is a good sign for the Eagles. Yeah. So I, I think the, the Eagles are, are proven like, yes, they, they will be scary going forward. I think that this was kind of a game where they really needed to prove themselves and they very much did. So, and because of that, uh, they, they're hosting the NFC championship game next weekend and they'll certainly be a tough out, um, next week and the week after if they move on. Uh, speaking of moving on, let's do so and shift to Sunday. And I think that, you know, the Saturday games, there was only so much to talk about. The Sunday games was always going to be the bigger, like these are supposed to be the most exciting matchups, biggest storylines, most compelling. And Bengals-Bills, to me, felt like it could have been the most competitive, the most exciting game. 
and you can make the argument that it was the least exciting, the least competitive. Oh, it was, it I was mean, a, in the case it, of Eagles Giants, obviously that was a huge blowout. But given the expectations for this game, this is probably the biggest letdown. Bengals just destroyed the Bills. I mean, the Bills didn't even show up. What it felt like. Yeah. So the the Giants Eagles that was a game that people that everyone expected to not really be that interesting. But this is a game where arguably one of the two. It was supposed to be the most competitive and come down to the end. And I'm certainly not surprised the Bengals won, but I am surprised by the deficit because the Bengals just completely dominated the Bills. And Burrow, I mean, he just picked apart that Bills defense. And look, he's not he he doesn't have the he doesn't have the arm talent or athleticism as like Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes, but I think he absolutely deserves to be in that talked about in that same tier as those guys because outs he, again he doesn't have the same arm talent and athleticism but he has every intangible you want in a quarterback because he is no doubt a winner uh, he and he goes through his progressions so well and again he just completely uh, I mean took completely took apart that Bills defense and look it look Cincinnati they played a great game they were the best team this weekend but I also think that this game says way more about Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo I didn't. Sh- they didn't show up in no, this game. They, they did not. <laughs> no, and I, I will give credit to Cincinnati as, as tough as that is for me. I, I think Joe Burrow at this point has firmly established himself as a number two quarterback. If anything, just a head-to-head victory. Mahomes is the number one guy in the AFC. He's probably the best yeah. player in the league. Just the things he can do is still like on another level. And when you look at Kansas City's roster this year some of his weapons like he very much is deserving of the MVP Joe Burrow deserves to be in that conversation and it'll be very exciting seeing these two guys go head to head yet again next weekend but yeah I mean this game it was about Buffalo at home you have the emotional aspect with the DeMar Hamlin situation this is a team that it's like every like the past couple years it's they're they get close you have the afc championship game lost against kansas city it's all right they're, they're a year away and then the next year going to overtime it's we're a coin flip away this was supposed to be their year they're the super bowl favorites everybody's high on them and to come out and fall flat at home in buffalo in the snow and you can only score 10 points and it's like yeah, this, they're that was supposed to be a home field advantage, and now I'm like, yeah, is this team just built incorrectly for the city they, they live in? Like, they're not they're not good in the in weather games, which sounds absurd to say, but it there's a lot of there's a good enough sample size to show that they're actually not good in that yeah, kind of weather. Yeah, and which it, is which is crazy, just given that they're the home team. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's Josh Allen. I don't know if it's the playmakers. You know, Stephon Diggs blowing up on the sideline in this one. It. I think it's it's kind of fair for him to be upset about how this game played out. How much of that is on him, though? Like, how much of it is I, just, like, this team I, I, just I th- can't play? Like, if this game is played on a neutral site like Bengals fans wanted, does, does Buffalo look much better in this one? I tend to believe they do. I think they wait, I think they rely way too much on Josh Allen or that, that offense because, uh, like, I mean, they... They run efficiently, but I mean they don't have the best running backs. I mean, Singletary's fine, and then James Cook, I think, is a he's a better like third down guy, or he'd be a better pass catching back. But like, you could also make a case that Josh Allen's like their best runner <laughs> or ball carrier, and I feel like that offense just like their game plan is just to rely on Josh Allen to just do amazing things. And oh, they yeah. had they had like they had nine passes, twenty yards 
or more down the field and then in the snow that's absurd <laughs> yeah so just relying on him to pull something out of his ass and 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 hope that he can be josh allen and be amazing and so i yes josh allen wasn't great but at the same time i i think they rely way too much on him to to do amazing things and then look i mean look at the look at his targets like Diggs, he's awesome one of the best route runners in the league and I know, I know he had a meltdown at the the end of that game, and then after that game. But you know, like that's what diva wide receivers do. Like they they want the ball, and he, he wants to win. He's a competitive guy, and so I get it. Like after him, it's kind of a, it's a it's that's another team with a huge drop off. Like Gabe Davis, he had that four touchdown game last year, which was incredible. But I think that was kind of a fluke more than anything. And he he he's not really a true number two receiver. And then Dawson Knox is fine, but. Like just like all these fringe receivers, like Beasley and Shakir and um, Isaiah McKenzie, and just like they they do, they need to add a another true target for Josh Allen. It's I gonna be like. tough though, because I mean, for the past, like it feels crazy to say their window is closed when they have Josh Allen, but Josh Allen is gonna be making forty million dollars a year next year after being relatively a premium option, given he was on his rookie contract and. Their their cap situation is not very good. They're gonna have to make some tough decisions this offseason. You can probably work. A, you can work your way around that. Probably they, you see the I mean, Rams pay everybody. <laughs> yeah, I, they can find some ways to do it, but they're gonna take some hits. Like I don't think that it's like the end of the world. Like the Bills all of a sudden are no. From, I don't. Like, I don't think so. I, Josh Allen is prime. Uh, I think they're. Yeah, I I still think there's a window as as long as Josh Allen is healthy because he's still in his and yes he he does take a lot of hits so you worry about like the Cam Newton kind of thing with him or like if if that will come to bite back to bite them but I still think Buffalo still has plenty of time but the same but at the same time Buffalo still they're still like kind of like a losing team like that like the Chargers and and another team we'll mention later that they they, they always just find ways to lose and another thing is uh Sean McDermott, I really do believe he's one of the better head coaches in the league, but I don't know. Both sides, they, they the game plan did not work well for them. Like again, offensively, it feels like that they're just relying way too much on Josh Allen to just be amazing. And then defensively, they just played zone all day and Burrow just diced them up. And Burrow, yeah, like you're not gonna be able to do that effectively against a quarterback like Burrow. Like, yeah, you could do that against Skyler freaking Thompson, but not <laughs> not Joe uh, Burrow and and the weapons that he has too. Yeah, no, I, I, McDermott's getting a ton of heat. He's the lone defensive coach, like defensive-minded head coach who is still left, and his defense played really badly in this game. It, oh, it, the, like, the Bengals, they got so many yards on just normal checkdowns and chunk plays. And that's all they could do. They were starting, what, one real starting offensive lineman? They were all injured. Yeah, and- that's another thing. Like, three, so... I feel like an idiot for picking Buffalo, but I also thought Cincinnati's O line would be an I issue thought, because we saw yeah. it, we saw it. It was an issue versus Baltimore. They almost lost to Tyler Huntley. I know. Like, I so, thought it was going to be a big time issue in this game. Like I so thought, I, I thought if been this an issue game was going to be like lopsided, Buffalo was going to win. That they were just going right. to dominate. Like Cincinnati wouldn't be able to keep up because of their offensive line issues, and they they overcame they, them only was it, very easily. Not only was it not an issue, they won <laughs> the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And, Totally, and it wasn't even an issue for but look. I mean, so Buffalo they don't really have a great secondary. Like it, it really showed in the last like what six weeks of the year. Yeah. But another thing is Von Miller's injury is one that people forget about. Such a huge killer. Yeah. Because 
they were a good pass rush with him, but ever since he ever since he got injured, I mean, they haven't really been able to pressure the quarterback that much. And Burrow had all the time in the world. To yeah, I mean, they, they brought open. him for a game like this. Like that was why they went out and paid him all that money, and the, he didn't play. He tore his ACL. You know, there's not much you can do about that, and it showed it was a big time issue because it's just a big drop off for this team after Von Miller. Uh, Bengals 172 rushing yards on 34 attempts. So I think I saw the stat was they averaged four and a half yards before being contacted. Like that's how good their their offensive line was in this game. And but their offensive line is not good, which no, shows you that Buffalo. No was a complete no-show yeah and i so i I did hear a stat that um snow kind of neutralizes pass rushes uh the the sack percentage goes down it's just it's harder you know you're slipping and stuff you rely on being able your footwork to be able to make a lot of those moves to get to the quarterback and that just ended up playing cincinnati's favor instead of buffalo's in in the end so i don't get it like they, they they play they play stupid and reckless and it finally came back to bite them yeah because I, because before this game, I thought to myself, well, if Buffalo is, you know, if they just get it together and they're more dialed in, like, because you think, okay, well, Buffalo this year, they get off to these big leagues, and and they they take their foot off the gas against teams that are just much worse than them, but you know, coming into this game, like, all right, they they know that Cincinnati's you know on their level, maybe they'll be more dialed in and show that they're the better team, but like, no, they still play stupid. Yeah, I. I think uh, it's it's got to be frustrating and like really upsetting for Bills fans being like to to have this happen to this team and just like look this horrible in this game and I I had thought that yeah I mean those turnovers and like sloppy play were gonna come back to bite them I did not think it would go out like this like this losing in the divisional round is like one of the most painful things especially at home where you just have these expectations like you're you feel like you're going to go to a Super Bowl and your season to get cut short way earlier than anyone expected to and it's tough I think that moving looking forward like I don't think the sky is falling in Buffalo but I I do think that you're going to start to see the gap close a little more in the AFC East division as an opportunity to get much stronger I don't know what's going on in Miami but if the Jets get a quarterback that can solve a lot of their problems. Patriots just brought back Bill O'Brien. There's a lot of optimism that their offense can get back to, you know, where, where it used to be, or at least, you know, at a confident level. So I do think there's a lot of concern about Buffalo long-term. I, I want to believe that this team can eventually break through, but the, the teams you just mentioned, okay, the competition around the AFC will get better, but I, I mean, I still, I still think Buffalo, like you said, the, the, again, like this, it's not over, over for them. Like they're, it's a, it's a bad loss, and then they'll have to bounce back. But I still think they're, a, they're, they're clear top three in, in with them, him, them, uh, Kansas City and Cincinnati. I, I just think I think those are like just a clear top three. And right now, I think it depends on for what now. I mean, with yeah. Roster. If they have way more departures and additions, then this it's it's going to come down to how they're able to navigate this cap situation this off season. It, yeah, I, I just I think I think people, including myself and others, I think I think Buffalo is just overrated with the pieces that they have. Like, oh, they're such a loaded team. Like, well, okay, Josh Allen is awesome, and then Stephon Diggs is great, but it, it's a drop off after those guys. And then defensively, they lost Von Miller and Hyde, and and then and then Poyer and, and Andrew Davies like got hurt on the same play, and just like 
And then after those guys, it, it, it kind of, oh, and Milano's good too, but it is, they have some pieces, but it's not like this, it's not like a juggernaut defense like like other teams. Yeah, and I think that's fair to say. I think that it, a lot of it with the Bills is just like, oh, they're so close, feels like they're right there. Like the natural next step is for them to break through and win the Super Bowl. And I, I think that a lot of people just kind of bought into that idea. But yeah, the, the Von Miller loss, I think, is, is the big thing that can't be overlooked with this team. Um, a, a couple a couple of things I want to mention though, uh, how great was it to see snow in this game? It was and cool. Just, yeah. Uh, the reason I bring it up is because if Buffalo won this game, we'd be seeing a neutral site game, and, yep, and it would have been in Atlanta, and I would have absolutely hated it because I'm a traditionalist and I want to see a real playoff football game in a real playoff environment. Uh, yeah, like, and I, I think that's because two yeah. out. It would have been two outdoor teams playing in an indoor uh-huh. stadium, and we've just been watching the Peach Bowl all over again, and like a million points scored. And I just, I, I'm glad we didn't have to see a neutral site game. I'm glad it's going to be in an actual football, NFL pro football stadium outdoors, <laughs> outdoors. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I think City. there were some really cool shots of the the stadium with the snow from this one, and I, I, I said it to you like pretty early in this game that. You know, people who are like all football should be played in domes. I just think such a horrible it's the worst take. take ever. Yeah, I I like the nuance of weather I'm, being a factor. I'm totally fine with the Super Bowl being played in neutral site dome. It's got to be a or, destination, or, like somewhere yeah, people like, are gonna go. Right, or like or outdoors, like Miami, or like so. I'm I'm fine with the Super Bowl mm-hmm. being that, but I don't want AFC NFC championship games coming to that conclusion as well and and there are talks of that still there are, even though yeah there's a lot of now that it's been like talked about is it something that uh the the nfl will consider pursuing one of these years yeah so just thought i'd mention that and then one more thing to mention i look in the moment <laughs> i was pissed about the chase touchdown being overturned i'll admit looking back on it it was the right call i'll admit but <laughs> i just i just hate that that's what instant replay has come down to is that we're looking at you know a million different angles and and, and taking all this time and seeing like oh the the ball moved a little it popped out a little so it's incomplete and it's like yes was it the right call by letter of the law yes but i just i just hate that it, that's what it's come down to um that's just one thing i want to go no I, I understand <laughs> that take i think if it was a different team like if i was a neutral fan in that perspective i would have been more like oh let the touchdown stand it was a great catch but you know as someone who wasn't rooting for the Bengals in that game right. it was easier for me to watch the replay and be like oh the, the ball moved the ball moved that's incomplete <laughs> <laughs> so yeah uh, but I, hey i also said probably not going to matter because i don't think the bank the bills score 17 points right and, and when you said that i'm like really like not even 17 and but it's just they Buffalo 10. couldn't do anything <laughs> like, no not at all it even was, though it was 27 to 10 it didn't it felt like 35 to 3 oh i know we could well i think cincinnati kicked two short field goals so right. it could have been way worse yeah it, it, it was a 17 point game but it, it felt even worse than that yeah yep uh and uh Let's wrap this up with the final game of Divisional Weekend, and that was 49ers and the Cowboys. This is another one that was expected to be close, and this was. And if you enjoy defense, this was a phenomenal game, 19-12. to And this is another one where we can give our flowers to San Francisco. We can talk about how dominant their defense is, how great this Brock Purdy story has been, how awesome Kyle Shanahan and their offense, all these playmakers – but this is another one where the game is all about the loser. I have the exact same take, and 
I mean, that's that's kind of the person I am anyway. Where any any game, I'll admit, pretty much the very high majority of the time, I look at the loser anyway. But I do feel that sentiment though. Where yes, the Niners are great. They have the best pass rush in the league, and they got all these playmakers on offense. You can go on and on about their team, but yeah, the the Cowboys they they, they blew it. <laughs> like they absolutely could have won that game, and easily. I can't yeah. help but look at. Dak Prescott was the probably the most disappointing player on the entire weekend. It, he, he's some he he's likable, and he he said he says and he says all the right things, and you feel like he's got a good, you know, good mindset. But he, uh, turnovers again. It was a yeah. story all year with them. He played a perfect game against Tampa. Didn't turn the ball over. One of the best games of his career. What happens? The Cowboys win in a blowout. This game. Two really bad interceptions, not converting on big time throws. Cowboys score twelve points and their season ends. And like, it, it's it's not that Dallas lost this game. They were underdogs. They were on the road going up against a really good 49ers team. It's how they lost. And you can point right. your fingers at a million different people. Brett Maher is not even one of them. He actually made a couple of field goals after that blocked extra point. <laughs> like he did his job in the end. It was just uh, that was Dak that was wildly entertaining to watch. <laughs> like him, it, it, him it going was, out there missing an extra point because so if if it didn't get blocked it would have missed again. Oh, he was shanking it. Yeah, right. yeah. I mean, I but, I was and, very happy for him when he made those two field goals later <laughs> in the game. <laughs> part of me was feeling bad for him, but at the same time, part of me's like, I kind of want to see him miss it again. It'd be hilarious. <laughs> it's back to back weeks of Rick and Keel and Chuck Knobloch trending on Twitter. Just everyone like, oh, well, who's <laughs> who do you think of when you think of the yips? Uh, but yeah. yeah. But yeah, so you can't blame him and the defense. I, I they they showed up. They only gave up one touchdown the entire game. Yeah, defense was and awesome. So the defense did its job, but yeah, it really comes down to Dak and taking care of the football. And he had multiple costly turnovers that 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 cost him the game. And yeah, the what the first one put San Francisco in field goal position. The second one took Dallas out of it. So yeah, and 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 Dak is paid like a quarterback that can elevate elevate players around him but but he doesn't and no even though he's a very good quarterback uh, he's not a he's not a win he's not a winning quarterback Dak Prescott is becoming the poster child of the worst quarterback situation you can have a guy who's good enough to make you relevant good enough to win you regular season games good enough to take you to the playoffs not good enough to win you a Super Bowl but he's a guy you gotta pay because there's a premium on quarterbacks and if you have a guy who maybe could be that guy you gotta hand him a contract and now he's being paid a ton, and it's it just hasn't led to results. He's two playoff wins in his career. Uh, I always thought the standard was Matthew Stafford, and then he goes from Detroit to L.A. and immediately wins the Super Bowl. It's like, okay, no, maybe the Lions were really just that bad of a franchise. But it's like you got a lot of those guys like Kirk Cousins, the, the, Derek The Cowboys Carr. have enough talent around them. I mean, well, they could have used uh, you know another receiver, Amari Cooper. They could uh, have, but- yeah. <laughs> Hey, is the Cowboys Twitter account uh, in between tweets of burying Dak Prescott pointed out Tony Pollard losing him to injury was a pretty costly one. They definitely. Oh, for sure. I mean, when you look at Zeke, uh, I I mean, Zeke is so slow now. It's 10 carries, 26 yards, and he, he hasn't been he hasn't been good. And he you could make a case that he's not only the most overpaid running back, he's also the most overpaid center in the league. <laughs> that, that, I mean, that last play, like that. So that last play, 
the Cowboys are taking a lot of heat for that one. Mike McCarthy. Oh, they're taking whoever. too much heat. Look, I I, it looks so. it was stupid, but there wasn't like it's not like you have a, yard line. Yeah, you don't have a seventy-five yard play in your playbook. Like it, I get them wanting to try something silly. It just looked dumb. It wasn't it, like it last just, year, Dak Prescott scrambling and running out of time like there was nothing they could have done that would have looked that much better but when you run a play like that you get your running back blown up as a center and you pass it and the guy immediately gets tackled and the game is over all that build up all that whoa what's going on here just for that to have happened to you yeah it it was stupid yes but at the same time i i do think they're getting a little too much heat because you got to try something from 20 uh from the your own 25 yard line and right it's not this nearly as bad as what happened last year where they 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 sneak it and then they don't have any timeouts left and then the clock runs out no, that I mean, one's the, way the, worse the bigger issue should be the clock management issues earlier when they wasted 45 seconds to punt the ball right before the two minute warning and i was i was <laughs> that's another time i was yelling i don't have any i mean i like the niners more than the cowboys but i don't have a real brooding interest but in that moment, I'm like, punt it. Let's go. It was <laughs> don't waste all ridiculous. this time. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's fourth and 10 from your own 20-yard line. Like, I, I get it's late in the game, but, like, you have to kind of be, like, aware of the situation. Either leave your offense out there and risk going for it or be ready to send out the special teams punt unit. It's just a horrible clock management. And then... On that last drive when the, the Cowboys had ball, the, the Dalton Schultz play on Freaking the Freaking Dalton Schultz. What an idiot. That just, <laughs> any type the, of momentum the Cowboys could have had, just instantly dead. The the first one, look, I hate that rule where if, if you actually push a guy back or his his momentum goes back, the oh, clock actually the seals, clock, still, yeah. it still keeps going even if you're out of bounds. I hate that one. So I don't want to give him too much crap for that, even though he deserves some criticism. But the second one's way worse. Not being able to get Dude, your foot down like that. Get your foot down, you Idiots. They're such a <laughs> not that like, not that they would have won the game. They still probably would have lost. But they would have just... had a chance. Like they, I think there would have been six seconds. They could have. They at least would have been closer to try a hill mary. But had a shot to pick up a few more yards to at least give yourself a chance of the end zone instead of having to try the uh, the old band is on the field play. But yeah, I dumb. mean the, that was yeah just just brain dead moments from that team. And I went into this game thinking that Mike McCarthy's job was safe no matter what. I'm not as sure anymore. I know Jerry <laughs> Jones says it's safe, but if, if he can call Sean Payton and Payton's like, yes, I'll come to Dallas, I'll fix this team, then I think he's gone. So you just said Dallas's QB situation is the worst one you could possibly have where he's he's good enough to win you regular season games and, and do all this, but he's not good enough to, to win to win you real football games, win you you know, yeah, I think to- that's the worst situation you'd be in when you have like. Is that the a- worst coaching situation you can be in? Because Mike McCarthy, he's not a horrible head coach, but he has moments in in, in big games as well. That, yeah, that, no, the, that show that I think it's almost a perfect pairing. You're right. Like Mike McCarthy is ninety percent of the time. I think he's a really good head coach, but the ten percent of the time where he's just like a dumb brain head coach, just costs his team in the biggest moments. Yeah, so, so perfect pairing for, yeah. for for those two. Yeah, and I mean, I, none of this matters if Elijah Mitchell doesn't go out of bounds. So he that too, <laughs> he got saved. Like stay in time. bounds. <laughs> yeah, that was I mean, another no one in the moment. Where, uh, like, oh, the game's over if they get a first down, and like, then he get, he runs out of bounds. Like, no, of bounds, great, yeah. the, the game's still not over. Yeah, no, uh, he he definitely got so, lucky with how everything played out there. You know, another one that could have been costly. Remember the end of the first half 
when the when the, the Niners oh, have yeah, the ball. Yep. And, and then Purdy, he has to drop back, and then he has to throw it away, and then there was one time. second left yeah. on the clock. And and then Shanahan's yelling at Purdy about it. And I'm like, why are you even doing this in the first place? Like, So, yes, Purdy, maybe he's getting heat for that, but I think that goes more on Shanahan. That's just, it's that's it's a seventh-round rookie quarterback mistake. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that you, you – it's a coaching thing. Like, you got to make sure they understand the situation. And, yeah, one more second comes off the clock. They don't get a field goal right before the half. So, yeah, that, that would have been another bad situation there. Um, but – I mean, yeah, the Cowboys just year after year, you keep seeing this stuff. They haven't been to an NFC Championship game in, since 1997. Just an incredible streak. I think it's 12 straight playoff appearances, the longest ever. Yeah, I, I've lost faith in Dallas. I, I've I've held on to that. I've, I've held on to them to being good and turning around for too long. Yeah, I, so I agree. I, I agree. With I, I've, it. I've given up on them already. And but in, coming into this game, I thought just the way they played versus Tampa, even though Tampa has proven not a very good football team, just the way <laughs> they dominated them. Box like thinking, even All right, like this could be a game, especially if they can, you know, limit Brock Purdy in their offense, which they did. <laughs> like the defense they did, did his job. Defense and did so, everything they needed to. So, even though I don't believe them, at the same time. They really could have made. They did make it a game. They really could have won that game, and so. But it's just the same thing over and over again with them, and so that's yeah. And uh, they could lose Dan Quinn. He could end up getting a head coach opportunity. I know he's interviewed in a couple places, so uh, I would think that even would though be he was tough for their even one though, strong unit, it, even though he ran his course in Atlanta, he is a good DC wherever he's, he's been. Great, with it's Seattle yeah. or Dallas, so yeah. that would that would be a loss if if they were to lose him. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I mean, in terms of the Niners, yeah, they, they didn't play great in this one, but they, they played well. They played great on defense. They didn't play great on offense. Brock Purdy didn't make any mistakes. Is I think that's that's the big thing. Like, he did have that moment at the end of the first half, but he's been able to protect the football. That's been, like, one big saving grace of this team. Christian McCaffrey was banged up, but Elijah Mitchell stepped up big time other than riding out of bounds at the end, and McCaffrey did have their lone touchdown. So Niners definitely look scary. And I guess that's kind of a good transition now. Let's look ahead to the conference championship game. Eagles, 49ers. This is going to be the early game. Um, I guess one comment while we kind of transition off of Dallas, San Francisco into Philly, San Francisco. Coming into the season, I had a lot of doubts about Kevin Burkhart and Greg Olson as like the big time number one Fox crew doing the Super Bowl. I think they've both very much proven to me that they, they are natural for this job and i completely agree yeah i think greg olson does a great job it's gonna uh, you know you're t- you were talking about tom brady last week and him taking over he's it's another i don't not want like. that to happen please <laughs> no I, I love tom brady but come on i i don't want to see him Olsen i mean i, I not... want to see him in the booth uh, that'd be that'd be kind of interesting for a game and see how that goes but as as the team A got no no thank you yeah Olson very much <laughs> deserves to continue having this job and I I don't know that Brady's gonna retire and go to the booth next year anyway but uh, yeah I'm I'm excited for these guys to be doing the Super Bowl yeah Greg Olson he I mean he's he's only been in the booth for what a few years this he is his that? second year full time but like second on his bye week he would always just like call a random game just to kind of well, get d- practice well. The fact that he's only been doing it for as little time as he's had, he's already arguably one of the best color guys that yeah. out there. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, he's very impressive. I thought he did a great job of kind of explaining things. He understands strategy. He understands time management. Like, that's the big thing that you can ask for from a color guy. Because there are a lot of guys who are just out of touch and, like, don't understand how to manage the clock that are commenting on these games. And it's nice when you have someone who actually knows what they're talking about. Yep, So I agree. Yep, and uh, I say that these guys will be calling the NFC Championship game. That'll be the first one that happens, 3 o'clock on Fox. And Eagles-Niners, like these are two very similar teams just in terms of their identities. They're both built on a strong rushing attack. Really the big difference is the fact that Jalen Hurts contributes to the rushing attack, whereas Brock Purdy doesn't. Uh, But they both have really strong weapons. They're both great pass rushes, really spectacular defenses. And I I think this could be a really fun game. And I don't know which way I'm leaning because going into this, I pick San Francisco. I want to stick with them, but the Eagles look really good on Saturday night. And I, I am nervous about Purdy going into the link and uh, dealing with that crowd. Yeah, I, I, I love this matchup. Uh, lo- repeating everything you said, both teams have great weapons around their quarterbacks and they have great defenses. And then Philly, I, I think, has the best offensive line in the league. I think oh, the yep, Niners yep. have the best defensive line in the league. So it's gonna be a great matchup. <laughs> I'm never a guy that wants to get horned up over line of scrimmage <laughs> play, but like these are like the two best uh-huh. in the entire league. And just like that is like that actually uh definitely interests me for sure. Like who can win out that matchup because I mean, look, the Giants are not the Giants. The the Eagles ran over all over the Giants, and I do not think they can run as nearly as effectively against the Niners. Uh, and then I don't want to get too much. Uh, I don't want to look too much into last week because if the Niners played the Giants and the Eagles played the Cowboys, I think we'd have seen similar, similar results where the Niners would have destroyed the Giants and the Eagles and Cowboys would have been a close game. Yeah, I, I, I think I, so I don't want to look, I don't want to look too much into what happened last week, but at the same time, uh, Philly needed to show, or at least in, at least in my opinion, I think they, they needed to show that they're still, like still really good and they did even even though it was a team that they're much better than and yeah I, i'll admit i'm struggling to pick this matchup as well if i'm forced to choose i think i'll i lean philly slightly but i mean are they're probably the two best teams in the league with because they match up there are a lot of very they're very similar very similar yeah, teams but it's, uh-huh. I'm, I'm i think i'm slightly leaning with philly because i look brock purdy's been awesome <laughs> he's been so much better than i ever that many people ever thought he'd be, but at the same time, I do think, I think at some point, uh, the limitations on Brock Purdy are like they're it's going to catch up to the Niners. Like, and I think this is the only team I think, or one of the only teams that I think that it'll eventually, I I think that this is the team that it's going to be difficult. Like, it's one thing to be at home versus Dallas against a good defense like that, but I think it's just an even bigger test to go on the road against a team like Philly where they have a great defense and they don't have a quarterback that will just give it away. Mm-hmm. Uh give you know turn the ball over like it's free candy. Like I think, yeah, no. I think uh, <laughs> I... the combination of both is is going to be a major test for for Brock Purdy and the Niners and cuz cuz if if the Niners play like they did offensively, like they if they play like that versus Dallas, they're not beating Philly. No, and, I, I'm not I saying, agree with that. And I'm not saying the Niners can't win. Like they obviously can win and play better offensively and 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 go into Philly and and and, and advance to the Super Bowl. I'm not saying I'm certainly not saying it's impossible because it's kind of a 50-50 matchup, but I just think I, I just think if again, if they if they play like they did versus Dallas, Philly's winning 
Uh, Purdy needs to he needs to step up. He needs to do something big. He's going to need to make some big time throws. He's probably going to need to come up in the clutch on this one. And that's one thing that we haven't necessarily seen from him. We've seen him win games. We've seen him win some close games, but not necessarily like him being this, relying like, on him to to lead them on a game winning drive. Yeah, maybe outside of that Las Vegas Raiders game. Outside of that game, maybe. That that was the only kind of example that we saw. And, I mean, the Raiders' defense is nowhere close to the Eagles' defense. No, and the Raiders' defense sucks. So, (laughs) yeah. So, so that's what worries me a little bit about the Niners. Another thing that worries me. That was my big worry coming in the playoffs. I totally agree. I'm not any less worried. So, so. That's something I was worried about, but at the same time, I thought they would still make the NFC Championship game like like a lock. Uh, mm-hmm. But nothing to worry about the Niners a little bit. Their defense is great, but their secondary is a little concerning. It's susceptible. They gave up they gave up ten uh, ten catches, one hundred seventeen yards of CD Lamb, and they also gave up ten catches, one hundred thirty six yards, and two touchdowns. Granted, one of them's garbage time, but still, they gave up a huge game to Metcalf, and the Eagles have the best wide receiver duo in the league AJ Brown yeah he wasn't great in the last game but he's been he was he's he's completely changed their offense and then Devontae Smith has had a really awesome second half to the season and so and then now Goddard is healthy too and so that is I, I think that's a problem if the Niners secondaries it doesn't improve like it because it's because again it's a great defense but it has been a their secondary has been a little tad concerning of late yeah, we kind of glossed over AJ Brown. Kind of mentioned like, oh, like big time. I think this is a bigger opportunity. I I don't know if you can say that they're definitively the best duo in the league. I think even this weekend, my but opinion. I I think I'm not saying best wide receiver group because there's another team that we'll talk about. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's like whether you want to. It's okay. Um, you know yeah. whether Cincinnati, their their duo, their trio, however you want to talk about it. Right. But yes, the Eagles are very much like a like those two guys. Smith and Brown could be big time problem for San Francisco defense. So I picked the Niners coming into the season, coming into the postseason. I don't necessarily want to go off that pick, but I'm also like really nervous that Brock Purdy is going to come out flat in this one. Like the Eagles and make some big plays. Like I can genuinely see this game turning out like the 2017 NFC championship game when the Eagles just dominated the Vikings out of nowhere. And that would surprise me. That 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 would surprise. Me. Look, I, even, though, so even though I'm picking Philly, I'm I'm not going to pick a blowout. Now, <laughs> now Cincinnati Buffalo, <laughs> like it would have surprised me if that was a blowout. And, and it happened. Look what yeah. happened. That was a blowout. That so. was a game that I thought Minnesota was going to win that one. And you know, especially coming off the high of that that New Orleans uh, Minneapolis miracle, and they just came out flat. They just couldn't handle the Philadelphia crowd. Case Keenum kind of came back down to earth. I don't know. Maybe there's like. A little bit of a, you know, just going back to that moment and feeling like it could happen again. I don't, I'm not necessarily going to predict it to, but if this game is a blowout, I think Philly is winning, not San Francisco going in and pulling out the blowout. So I'm totally nitpicking because the Niners are (laughs) awesome too, Uh because they, like, they have, they have the weapons. The McCaffrey trade, I, I mean, I mean, I'm, I love McCaffrey and, but at the same time, I did think it was a lot to give up, but, I think He's been so it. far it's been worth it, yeah. Yeah. And, which is, other than that first game against Kansas City when they just kind of threw him out there get for to a be on the plays, field that much. They haven't lost. They haven't so. lost, right. And that was a team that is amazing though as well. So but at the same time McCaffrey barely even played. So Yeah. So but, in games like said, where he's been then, like fully there, they they've won every time. So Right. So yeah. this game could go either way and I'm 
totally nitpicking, but I will slightly lean with Philly because I, I, I don't know. I just think they have the, the weapons and the quarterback. Now, I mean, like Hertz is not, he's not Mahomes or Allen, but he, he's improved so much this year that, and he showed that he's healthy enough uh, where I think he'll, st- he'll be effective. And I, I think I think the Niners will, or not the Niners. I think the Eagles will squeak out a win. Uh, so it's nitpicking, but I'm going to slightly lean with Philly. Yeah, I mean, I I'm going to ride with San Francisco, but we'll see. I I don't feel very confident about that pick. But I've also said I'm that not about others about my that pick I've either. <laughs> just <laughs> I know just, it's it's one of those where I just want to enjoy this game. I want to have fun. Yeah, with me it. too. I'm definitely going to root for the Niners in this one. Oh, me like, <laughs> hands down. I'm yeah. rooting for. I know I'm rooting for. Uh, I'm definitely rooting for the Niners, and I absolutely believe it'll come down to the the wire and just predicting Philly. That's yeah, it. I mean, well, my problem with Philadelphia sports teams is that they have like fun teams to root for. Their fans can just be too obnoxious. obnoxious. So obnoxious. Yeah, it's just <laughs> like it makes them hard to. Uh, they passionate, passionate, but obnoxious. Yes, yes, and uh, you know, especially about their birds. <laughs> Uh, and then the AFC Championship game, like th- this is another one that could be a ton of fun. And one of the biggest factors is going to be what's the health of Patrick Mahomes. I assume he's going to play. He gutted out the second half against Jacksonville. But if he's compromised in any way, that can certainly be a big advantage that goes to Cincinnati. The the first matchup, Niners and Eagles, that's really a battle of the best overall teams, best at the line of scrimmage. This this is just the battle of the best quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, I, I, this is a, I love love both these matchups. They're they're I'm 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 glad it's these four in the 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 you know the AFC and NFC championship games. I think it I think it's gonna be wildly entertaining. And yeah, again, this is a great quarterback matchup. And look, the Bengals are in, in the Burrow Mahomes era. The Bengals are three for three versus versus Mahomes in Kansas City. And now, like you said, Mahomes high ankle sprain like that's that's a concern uh, because he does a lot of his damage running outside the pocket and that has been kind of compromised now and yeah, for sure i'd like I mean, to think cincinnati will do a much much better job than jacksonville did of of limiting kelsey because look what they did versus buffalo stefan diggs was kind of invisible in that game he only had i think what three four, or four catches, catches for 34 catches yards. yeah so he wasn't even the leading catch pass catcher because uh i think singletary had five Knox had five and and so so they took out their best player and forced allen to beat them with their other weapons and and was not able to at all and so. was not able to at all and i like to think cincinnati will do whatever it takes to Limit Kelsey. I'm not saying Kelsey's going to be completely shut down. Not saying that. I'm just saying he's not going to go for 14 catches and two touchdowns, well, like he did versus Jacksonville. Yeah, it seems so like a reasonable prediction. But yeah. he, he's and dominant in the playoffs, so I, is, I still he think is. he'll find a way to make an impact. But you're right; someone else on the Chiefs is going to need to step up. You know, they they brought in all those receivers through free agency, through the draft, through trades. Someone, probably two of them, need to do something in this game. Yeah, and so. I don't want to get too overboard with how Cincinnati played this past Sunday because I, again, I think the story was way more on just Buffalo not being a complete no-show. But at the same time, I was really impressed with how they played on both sides of the ball and how Burrow uh, just picked apart their defense and and then defensively they took out their best player and and gave Josh Allen fits in that game. And the Chiefs haven't proven against this team that they can 
beat them. They 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 they're over three now uh, versus Burrow and the Bengals, and I'm taking the. They Bengals. always find ways to blow blow these games. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, coming into the the playoffs, I I said that I think the Bengals are the bigger threat to the Chiefs because the Bengals have beat them every time, and the fact that Patrick Mahomes is hurt, it just feels even more difficult for Kansas City to win this game. Uh, yeah. Part of me almost feels like they need to come from behind because they they clearly can't hold a lead against this team. Maybe that's what the the difference maker is. But I think that Cincinnati will also win this game. I will be rooting for Kansas City. I'll probably wear my Juju Steelers jersey, kind of little combination of uh, pro Juju on the Chiefs, anti Bengals. But I don't I don't feel as good about that. You know, it's Arrowhead Invitational. They they host this game every year, but you know we we saw them lose it last year, and I don't know that it's you know we thought that home field advantage for Buffalo would be a big thing, especially with the snow that proved not to be the case. So even five years City, in a row is very incredible. Impressive. Not just to make it, but to host but it hosting too. it every year. I know because the Patriots made it every year, but they were on the road half the time, and you know the right. the Chiefs have hosted every single year. It's also impressive they haven't been the one seed. <laughs> they just keep finding ways. Yeah, to... they've, they've had to rely on Tennessee or some yeah, crap Baltimore. one seed to, yeah. Baltimore to, uh, to blow it. So so that's another thing, but still really, really impressive, uh, especially not even having their, not having Tyree Kill on their team anymore. And there's mm-hmm. Mahomes and their offense has still been lethal, even though, again, outside of Kelsey, their pass catchers have been very up and down this year. And <laughs> yeah. I agree that one of them, at least one of them has to step up. And Kadarius Tony, he looked pretty good. He didn't, he didn't do a lot, but he definitely did. He had some moments. something. Yeah, uh, he had his moments, and they did trade for him this year. So he's someone that I think could have a big game, possibly. Yeah. So and, when these teams played in December, Travis Kelsey was held to four catches on six targets for fifty-six yards. Marquez Valdez Scaling was the Chiefs' leading receiver. He had two catches for seventy-one yards. <laughs> two big plays. <laughs> also had some big drops in this one. Um, so yeah, the, the, the Chiefs definitely are going to need some guys to step up. And I think that Cincinnati can do their, their thing to, to limit them in this one. Yeah, I agree. And so, so I'm, so the first game I'm rooting for San Francisco, but I think Philly will win, but this game I'm rooting for the Bengals. And I think I also still believe that they will win as well. So I'm, yeah. so I'm going with Philly, Philly, Cincinnati in the Super Bowl. Yeah, so we'll definitely have opposite rooting interests in that NFC game. I will say Philly, Cincinnati, that would be the closest. Well, not rooting interests in the NFC, AFC. No, in the AFC, yeah, different. Yeah, Yeah. I mean that would be the closest thing to, I guess, a nightmare Super Bowl for me. But at the same time, like when I when I look at all four of these teams, just looking at it from like a Steelers fan perspective, I think that the Chiefs are the ones who there's the least reason to root against them to win the Super Bowl because the Bengals are an AFC North rival, Eagles in-state rival, Niners would be going to tie the Steelers for most Super Bowl wins. Chiefs, yeah, so, whatever. I mean, for, for me, look, Philly, obviously Super Bowl 52 hurts, but uh, I like the players in the, on their team. Uh, I, I think they're Hurts a fun has team. been gr- yeah. they're They're a fun team on the field. I just, <laughs> their fans drive me crazy. And uh, it's... Yeah, like Super Bowl Fifty Two is it just hurts, but at the same time, there aren't a lot like Lane Johnson and Travis, uh, not Travis, uh, Jason Kelsey. That, wow, the brothers can be in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, they could, yeah, yeah. Um, so like those guys are on that team, but outside of that, like a lot of players. Oh, you know what? Uh, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, I think. Uh, yep, they were on that team. Yep. 
but other than that, like a lot of their offensive players were not even there. And so, so that on the on the field they're fun to watch, but yeah, just their fans are definitely uh, ruthless. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I mean, I I I think it'll be a fun weekend, fun Sunday. Definitely looking forward to both of these games. I hope we end up with two competitive ones, two fun ones, and not but... and not four non-competitive or, yeah, or right. Yeah. Mostly, yeah, they're not not very exciting games like you had this weekend, so, right? Yeah. So anyway, that'll do it for this one. Um, you know, just sticking to football right now, and um, next week we'll be ready to recap the conference championships. Look ahead to the Super Bowl; should be a, a lot of fun at that point. So, for my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Corey Fontney. Thanks, everyone. Oh, 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 oh,